0: This recording was made on Goringai Country, Northern Beaches, New South Wales. It's the only way that you can describe what a person is, describe what they do. There doesn't seem to be much job satisfaction or pleasure in this picture. Well, 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 well. Thank you for joining me on to this evening's, maybe this morning's where you are. A uh, critical uh, bulletin where immediately we need to address uh, uh, another emerging urgency or emergency, if you will. Um, this one, emergency, emerging out of uh, my personal life. Well, I suppose it's not that personal. This is the thing. When you live in a building with a lot of other people, it's not that rubbish isn't personal because it's everyone's all at once. And you really are putting a lot of faith in your neighbors that they will not undermine your best efforts. To sort and dispose of your waste correctly, um, by just contaminating bins ad nauseum. Um, but unfortunately, on my way out here to Trash Talk Studios podcasting uh, place, which is the cabin of um of Trish, um, I put something in the I put some bottles in the mixed container bin, and pulled out yet more. Ready for this, guys? This is this is just like a particularly ooh inflammatory for some reason to my feelings slice of um, dumb shit. And I suppose we'll get into exactly why it, it is producing such a reaction in me. But I've been pulling clean cardboard out of mixed container recycling bins recently. Like a lot of it. Enough to talk to you about it. Enough to make a podcast to talk to you about it. And the thing is, is that this is such a new level of well low, I suppose, for us to be achieving as a team. Because that's the thing is that this is actually a team game. And so we are only as good as our weakest links. And another clarification I should make is that I live in a building full of lovely people um, who I really like. This isn't just a neighborhood vendetta, but there must be one serial offender. In fact, I'll give my immediate neighbors the benefit of the doubt and assume that this is someone in another apartment building too embarrassed to bring shame upon their own neighbours, so they come over and do this weekly or fortnightly in our bins, uh, clean cardboard in the mixed container bin. What the fuck? Yeah. So, so, obviously, guys, until we get our transparent curbside bins established, as we've discussed in the past... And make people very visibly accountable to the neighbourhood about about their bins, which will never happen. Um, and I remind myself of that every time um, we talk about it out loud like this. But, I mean, so much shame, right? No one wants their rubbish on display. But is shame maybe what we need a little bit of right now? Clean cardboard. Like, it's contaminated wheelie bins is not a new thing. We've all seen it. Hopefully, we've all done something about it. And... Like, yes, <laughs> yes, of course, I just showered and I'm about to go to bed. But but also, like no, I won't be able to sleep well knowing that I've just opened up a bin and now I know that it's full of stuff that it shouldn't, shouldn't be in there. It's not fair when you have to have two showers and you don't actually want to have two showers. But I've been bent over wheelie bins. I should just stop taking the rubbish out before bed probably. Oh, hey... Like I'll, I will get into the personal side of things on my own clock, not on yours, because let's get this straight. This is not Dear Diary of Rolls. This is, well, I was about to say this is just pure rubbish, um, but I suppose that's also what my diary would be full of if I um, wrote one and it had flowers on the cover and stuff. But let's break down the clean cardboard. It's bad enough pulling soft plastics or like seeing heaps of food scraps in a, in a recycling bin and just knowing that that's kind of just riding off the chances of, that material actually being successfully recycled. And cardboard might not seem that offensive because it's just cardboard and it's not soiled, it's not smelly. And you sort of think, like, yeah, it's not that hard. So why can't someone do it in the first place? I know, <laughs> I know, uh, but they haven't. And the, and the problem is persisting. So uh, we need to discuss it. And what I've deduced is that it's o- it's sad, it's extra sad because it's only one of two options. Option one is that this person is doing it on purpose. And I know, like, that's unfathomable, right? Like, you just, it didn't sound right even saying, like, suggesting that as a possibility to you because that is just inconceivable that someone would deliberately contaminate their neighborhood rubbish. But it's, but, but also, people do dumb things. Like, I see upside-down pee plates all the time. And I'm like, dickhead, you know that that pee plate is upside-down. There's no way you didn't know it's upside down because if you admit that you knew you that you accidentally put a pea plate in upside down, well I'm sorry, um, mate bloke probably because usually it's only blokes with their red or green peas upside down. but sorry mate, if you, if you admit if you're saying you did that on accident, then you're admitting that you don't have the observational skills required to pilot an automobile on the road. So so then so it can't be option one. It's just too, it's unfathomable that someone would intentionally put the wrong bin in the wrong rubbish, whoops, that someone would intentionally put the wrong rubbish in the wrong bin. Which leaves us with option two, which is maybe more distressing because option two is that this person just doesn't know. Like still doesn't know that cardboard goes in one bin and containers go in another. Our bins are. We have such few waste streams here that we can put. We can we can label them by primary colors of which there's only three. That's how few we use, and we've got the primary colors on deck to cater for the lowest possible common denominator of intellect, which is I suppose a four or five year old when you learn about colors. Probably earlier than that. I don't know. It's been a while since I um learnt about colors, but. (laughs) pretty basic pretty basic and then there's towns all over the world like some towns in japan that have 45 immaculately sorted waste streams and australia we're struggling with three uh it's just i'm i'm elaborating on this one instance or on this one problem which has now occurred multiple times and indeed occurred on my way to speak to you here today or tonight uh But it's today, now where I am. Uh, And I need to give myself, you know what? I need to give myself some encouragement. So obviously, I'm going to turn to Chef Ramsay. And I thought this would be a cool way to really just further substantiate this, um, well, this masterpiece that we've unearthed, which is Chef Ramsay's career actually kind of impersonating a chef or restaurateur, like obviously is a real one. And, um, and a boss one, but, but is really just like the climate prophet at this point um, to teach us lessons about, I don't know, being extremely obtuse and just refusing to admit that maybe we're the problem or that maybe we need to change. Um, or, or whether it's just like really taking people to task who are just dropping the ball over and over again. And so let's just imagine that this is that Susan, whoever you are, Maybe you're not Susan. I'm pretty sure it's a Susan though who's doing this. It could be Roger, but whoever it is who's doing this, who's crossing the road from your apartment so that you don't bring shame on your neighbours and putting your contaminated waste in in my neighbours' bins, here's what here's what Chef Ramsay says to you. Listen, I know you may be slightly stupid, but when you put the wrong bin in the wrong rub. But when you put the wrong rubbish in the wrong bin you're putting your team in the shit okay I can't spell it any clearer we are fucked because of your a comatized attitude but the thing is is if I didn't think it was possible to turn around I wouldn't be here is that Capiche I'm feeling the feeling again you know that? we do I mean we do like this is an important thing that we're doing here on trash talk studios we all have to do science in our own way so because I mean if if this stuff can't go unaddressed it cannot continue going on unaddressed so Susan I hope you've got the message or Roger or um, Nathan or whoever it was but enough is enough everybody <laughs> Now to something uh, pressing that I've discovered recently. Did you know that there's over 1,000 litres of water in the ocean? There is. It's In fact, I think it might even be significantly more than that. And the thing about the ocean is is that it's actually the lungs of this whole planet. Well, it's also... It's the lungs and the heart and the skin and probably the taste buds and actually a lot of other critical... like. Ocean health, what we're getting at here is that the ocean has one more than 1,000 litres in it and is critical to human survival on planet Earth. And as we as we say this facetiously right now, we realise that it is a regret to undermine the urgency of the situation by saying stupid things like 1,000 litres of water. When it's heaps, it's a lot more than that. And the other thing about the ocean is that we can't actually live in it or breathe in it. Uh, so... So it is very important that we look after it, kind of no matter what you feel about climate change. Even if you're all for global warming, you don't care about impoverished countries who can't do anything to defend themselves against an incoming tide of natural disasters largely imposed upon them by much rich, richer countries like Australia. Uh, if you don't care about it doesn't matter if you don't care about any of that because you do rely on the ocean. And I mean, if you've ever met a kid before, you know what I mean. And that's kind of, that's, isn't that kind of like, for me, actually thinking about it so simplistically provides a really welcome platform for my decision-making because sometimes it's so easy in the 2020s, especially, sorry, especially because I mean, the head noise, the head noise is relentless. And so I actually really welcome sustainability and environmental analysis as a dependable baseline to pick and choose uh, my behavior and actions, because you can get so lost. You can get so lost going, why are we here? Why are human beings here? And And the answer is to figure out why we're here, yeah? And if you're shaking your head going, hey, hey, mate, it took a lot for me to press play on this, and you're quickly, quickly pushing me away. Well then, that's okay because I think maybe you're just maybe I don't know maybe you don't have the fortitude for this on the insides, mate. Because that is the answer. We're, we're here to figure out why we're here, and you don't trust me. You don't want to know the answer to that question. I don't want to know the answer to that question because for me, that the risk is that well, that's it then. That's the, there's the siren, there's the who. They come in, surfs over, it's all done, and that was your best go. And now and now, now what? I don't want to lose the mystery of the exploration and I'm also kind of not arrogant enough to presume that I will arrive at the end of it. We don't want to solve the mysteries of the universe because I feel like life might get a lot more boring a little bit. I, I let me elaborate on what I mean by this. I will say I will say to you without hesitation that riding a push bike oh my god two people on push bikes just rode past incredible. Riding a push bike, but particularly through the twilight of the day is pretty well the most sumptuous um, human experience that you can offer yourself um, for very little input. as far as resources and cost of entry and all, all, like all the boring stuff you have to think about as, as far as activities go. That is a really easy way, Wow, to feel alive. And this is why this is why I don't want to solve the mysteries of the universe because a big part of it for me recently has been the soundscape, and I'm making an audio podcast. I'm obviously interested in noise, but the noises that you hear on a bike through the twilight, riding kind of as slowly as you can without falling over, it's wow! It's just such a journey. It's it's so mysteriously fulfilling, but. But I don't want to know why, I just want to keep enjoying it. And I'm worried if I know why, then it won't be as good. But right now I I'm, I'm really enjoying the magic of it. So the other day I went for a ride. My favorite ride to go on in the twilight passes through a certain corridor of trees. And yes, they're introduced species trees, but I mean, that's a boring thing to, to bring up at the beginning of this um, at the beginning of this recount. Uh, because they're trees, who cares? Uh, And these trees in particular, they're Norfolk pines. They're not supposed to belong in Australia, but Australian birds like lorikeets absolutely froth on them. And for 20 minutes right before dark, you can ride through this corridor of trees, and it really feels like, to me, it feels like a cathedral. It's this almost vibrationally holy kind of thing. And come to think of it, actually, Maybe this is what sound healing is all about. I saw a sound healing thing at the markets recently, and it, that's probably right at the limit of what what I'm going to pay money to um, find out if it's true or not. Cause I, cause you can't you can't charge me a lot of money, uh, with a with an attached risk that it might not work unless I feel the right feelings, and. But I think you can do your own sound. I've been doing my own sound healing through this bird corridor at twilight. Sensational stuff. So I was cruising home through the valleys to get to mine and I just heard this exchange of noises that really made me think, and it made me think about nature and, and also the mysteries of the universe that are possibly, probably unsolvable. But so I heard this exchange of noises, right? The first one was probably third gear it, and it sounded like it sounded like a European, very nice European car. Not it didn't sound like an Asian, like high pitched. It basically a hoon noise, guys. I heard like this really rich, beautiful, long hoon noise, that for me represented uh, some some hoon somewhere um, who's just squashing the loud pedal, and who, has, I suppose, identified a street where it's safe to do so without the threat of. Uh, police interference or hopefully without the threat of um, human danger as well. Uh, and then maybe like 15 seconds later, I heard a police siren, a really short one, the kind of one they do when they're right behind somebody, they don't need to like get people out of the way, hey, move over, I'm coming through in a hurry kind of siren. It was a really short one. And I, I just, it made my imagination run wild thinking, how is this any different to how is this any different to to BBC Our Planet? You know, I know it's just like the humble old residential streets of my suburban neighbourhood. But for me, that exchange, maybe I was... And also probably I was primed after bird hour through the cathedral. But this exchange for me was such a almost predator-prey kind of exchange... Where in my head, right? This hoon is just wanting to squash that loud pedal like there's no tomorrow, but also knows that that is going to all make his his or her, but I mean, mostly his, I suppose, vehicle um, scream with delight, or scream to the delight of uh, nearby cyclists like me. God, it had such a beautiful note, this engine, whatever it was. I think it must have been a Porsche. Uh, and then that, ba- and then. Elsewhere in the neighborhood, you know, is highway patrol, just cruising along, looking after um, the highway and the neighborhood, but probably listening to Trash Talk podcasts with Lucky Roland Studios uh, and just, you know, having a good old time like, yeah, of course, the climate crisis, you know, isn't um, doomed and we can do this and thinking all the stuff that you and I always think during this podcast. And then suddenly, suddenly they just hear this crazy revving. And they're just suddenly alert, and they're just it's nearby, and and then they just have to like go and hunt it down, and that's so like I mean that's how is that any different to to oh is it a mating call because uh, I, I guess that's the main reason that um, prey animals make noise <laughs> maybe that's the same thing squashing the loud pedal is pretty much a mating call but but that's what attracts the predators and so and so. In this instance, it's a predator who is being paid by, by everybody, by us, um, to keep us all safe um, and just take calculated risks behind the wheel of a V8. But the whole thing was just so like, it was such a natural dynamic. And also, uh, I'm aware that may never have happened this way. <laughs> but I was blocks away and, and just obviously in la-la land. And I'm pretty sure it did go down that way. And I, it's like, it's no different from any Attenborough I've ever seen. I can just see it. The GT3 has found an empty stretch of road. Capable of covering enormous distances at fast speeds. The GT3 911, blah, blah, blah. I could. It's so, it's the same. And you know how that further evidence I have to submit to you right now about why, why nature hasn't abandoned us is I suppose the, the moral virtue I'm trying to remind myself of here which is that we can't we can't escape nature we would never will no matter how unrecognizable our habitat looks compared to the habitat that we've evolved in i mean you walk around the C- cbd and you think about the bush over hundreds of thousands of years that hum- that homo sapiens what were we before we were homo sea monkeys no homo erectus home before we were homo sapien that environment could not be more different from the environment that we're in in 2022. But we're the same animal. So the the, ev- the other evidence I got to confirm my theory that nature hasn't abandoned us, and uh, this may be long-winded, which is why I'm tendering it as secondary substantiation. Um, put it on index 2Bi, please, uh, is when I watch YouTube videos, YouTube has started, well, Someone sent me a dashcam video, which was um extraordinary, great piece of content, uh, which I really enjoyed. And I suppose YouTube watched my eyes light up, like heard all of the inaudible squeaks I made at various points of the video, and decided, hey, old Rolls loves a dashcam feed. And so now, so the the favourite ones, the ones that I always say or that they always uh, make me watch, because I want to apparently now, because um YouTube told me to that I want to and to watch it is uh the instant karma ones. And I love it. I just love when when you see a bad piece of driving on dash cam and then instantly police are on scene. Oops. Lucky roll in Trash Talk Studios. Professional podcasting. Phones might go off every now and again. They won't again. Sorry. But those those instant karma dash cam videos, I can't look away from. Okay? So they affect me in, an, in a precisely intoxicating manner that i'm trying to stay across of like how does like as we all hopefully are like okay well how does this piece of information i'm consuming make me feel um and i've just noticed that it makes me feel the exact same way as a certain other kind of video which is people being chased by large predatory megafauna and escaping i should add like i'm not i don't like dash cam videos of crashes in fact i hate them and i also am not interested in watching any um any videos of people running away from bears that don't manage to run away. And in fact, as I say that, hopefully that doesn't even exist because how would that exist? Because if you didn't make it away from the bear, you probably wouldn't be able to upload your GoPro footage to YouTube. But but I feel the same way. I'm doing science. We are science here. And the feeling I get is is the exact same of watching watching a bad driver who's risking other road users get apprehended by police that I get the same feeling as watching someone escape from a mountain lion or something like as it's happening. It's just, it's so wild. It's yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's just, that's the exact feeling. And then, and then when they finally get away, yeah. it's just guys, nature is alive and well. And and with about half an hour of both of our lives now um expended uh we should move on to the purpose of really why we're gathered here today which is headlines new somethings we have some important um some important stories of the day so we'll get cracking volvo car volvo car brand has announced its entire bloody range will be bloody electric by 20 bloody 26 a lot sooner than they said mainly is the point very good Uh, farmers of science sorry excuse me science farmers have successfully grown wheat indoors prompting exciting fantasies of vast underground pastures of lush crops in case mad max actually does happen and we do have to abandon the surface world (laughs) an undisclosed local resident has been Bringing shame upon myself and my neighbours by inexplicably placing clean cardboard in our mixed container recycling bins. Well, fuck me. Holy fuck. Fuck me. And finally, Australia has received the nudge it needed with the collapse of its only soft plastics recycler, reminding us to protect our fertility and reproductive viability by using less plastic. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, that's all Bit of a mouthful, that last, uh, that last headline We will get to it uh, But I do believe, deep in my heart uh, that, that red cycle collapsing Does not spell a plastic catastrophe in Australia And in fact, may, be, may mark the beginning of a plastic renaissance Because now we really have to pull our bootstraps up And just stop using soft plastic to the volume that we are but we will get to it. But to begin with Volvo, ah! Volvo will be selling fully electric cars only in Australia by 2026. They are skipping the, the plug-in hybrid petrol-diesel electric um, phase of, uh, of, of automotive development and just getting the job done. It's, it's amazing to see, no matter how you feel about Volvo or their bloody drivers... It's amazing to see that there are massive private companies out there. Maybe Volvo is a public. Doesn't matter. There's major companies out there who are willing to stake their revenue on the line and it's because they know that they are going to see profit from it. It's not like it's going to be this prohibitive financial move exchanged only for goodwill at the at the loss of profit. It's this is Getting on the bow wave of an emerging industry, so really cool leadership from everybody that does it, including bloody Volvo. Everyone. Yeah. 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 Woo. Oh, yeah. Real nice. And hopefully, actually, this brings us back to uh, last week or the week before, where we were discussing batteries and how great it would be if there was a battery that you could recharge just by thinking nice thoughts wouldn't that just be fantastic so hopefully I mean Volvo this is part of it right like hopefully you're you know cracking on with this um, I didn't read about it in the article but I'm sure you just um, omitted it as a detail because that'll be great proprietary technology when you release it um, but how good would that be batteries that recharge just by thinking nice thoughts and I like hey, like I can hear you shaking your head, just going like I really will pause this podcast and never listen to it again, mate. And like, I mean to that I say like kind of fair enough. I get hey I get it I get it. But you know what? The John Rogan Experience podcast came from probably not quite as um, humble or embarrassing origins as as this podcast, but once upon a time, a little known Australian podcast called Trash Talk Studios with Lucky Roland podcast, began correctly predicting the future over and over again. And so if you think I'm like off the wall in suggesting that Volvo begin developing a battery that can be recharged by thinking nice thoughts, then how dare you, I say. I say, how dare you? Because where I'm coming from is if we've been able to predict the future correctly you know, four times in a row, demonstrated over a wide variety of uh, circumstances and time thresholds. For me, hey, sorry if this is megalomaniacal of me. Huge word to try on this podcast. (laughs) Hey, sorry if this is um, big-headed of me. But that's a pretty big responsibility because if we can correctly predict the future, perhaps it's time to start designing it. And I, I, defy, I defy anyone who, who pushes back on that. So I will proceed with my optimism here that Volvo and other electric car companies will develop new batteries that can be recharged just by thinking nice thoughts. And, like, not even nice thoughts about the battery. I mean, just like nice thoughts in general. It's time to get ambitious with our clairvoyance. Mark Zuckerberg, are you listening? Bill Gates. Bezos, anybody out there, whoever's listening, who can, I mean, you can all make this happen. Zuckerberg's just doing his laundry, just listening to TTS. And then I just imagine him right now, just frozen in fear at suddenly hearing his own name in his own ears Mark Zuckerberg. Exactly, just like that, mate. Uh, We've got your number here on Trash Talking Podcast. And you know why? Actually, Zuckerberg's blood has run cold because this is exactly what he was planning to do to everybody else. Is just one day when they put their headphones in, it would be some voice that just casts a spell over them and then forces them into the metaverse with him. But, hey, sorry, Zuck. Hey, sorry, mate. We beat you to it. Because we're, we're actually using it to do important things, mate. Like, we're talking about inventing batteries. And you know that that means better batteries okay yeah uh, that's all. <laughs> this is such a dumb example actually because you know what Mark Zuckerberg would say to us if we're like we want a world where we can have batteries that get recharged by nice thinking thinking nice thoughts he's like yeah no worries mate you can do that in the metaverse already well screw you Zuckerberg we're making our own're we're, we're making uh we're, oh I tell you what we're making the better verse. Eating a patch of soaking wet grass after a cow shuttle over it. Don't care. Don't care. We're making the better verse, mate, and it's gonna and ours and ours is gonna be better than yours. In ours we've got all the same thought batteries that you do, except ours work also in the three D world. So there. And in the real bush as well, not in your creepy CGI bush. And our batteries are also this is probably an important note, our batteries will be non surgically tethered to our brains. And recharge like, just recharge when we're thinking nice. It just knows. They, the batteries just know when you're thinking nice thoughts. And in that way, we've got a real motivation to, um, to be better people, which is if you want your electrical devices to work and your um, batteries to be replenished effectively, then think some nice thoughts about some people and then you'll be rewarded with some sick electric motorbike hybrid. So pretty much Volvo, thanks in advance. Uh, we can't wait. I'm feeling the feelings again Um, Story number two, story number two is awesome actually because awesome stories and um, things that inspire us and make us excited about our climatic future rather than depressed that's pretty much exclusively what we're trying to deal with here on TTS So the second story, the fact that scientists in Europe have been able to successfully cultivate wheat indoors this is the first major commodity that we've been able to replicate on an agricultural level in, indoors. From this article, and click through, have a read for the details. It's a really cool story. Typically, indoor farming has been reserved for growing micro herbs and crops that won't feed us at a large scale. We all like yeah, tomatoes, great. Cannabis, fantastic. And Basil, are you serious? And some coriander and some tarragon? I mean, like, yes to all of that amazing produce. But unfortunately, that's not going to sustain a hungry world that is now 8 billion and counting. So being able to... So this is a real breakthrough, to be able to grow wheat indoors. I'll break it down for you very quickly. To grow wheat outdoors in a field, you get one growing season a year. And yield per hectare is roughly 5 tonnes per hectare in Europe three tonnes per hectare in the US and unfortunately in 2022 in Australia, zero um, tonnes per hectare because a massive amount of our wheat crop just got devastated by floods in the northwest of New South Wales. I think Moree, Walgett, that whole area has lost $150 million of crops, millions of hectares just gone and that's a whole year's work gone into that. So these, like spare a thought for these farmers but this is, all of us are at risk of this because this is going to create major food shortages unless we can replicate these sorts of crops indoors and now we can we can also grow six cycles per year as opposed to the one these science farmers have pro- these farming these farmers of these farming scientists uh, have proven that you can grow wheat six times annually six growing cycles at 117 tons per hectare yield with no pesticides or chemicals and way less water than traditional agriculture. This is huge. I'll tell you when the light bulb really um, flicked for this, for me, was when my mate Frizi told me about solar irrigation, which is underground growing where people pipe sunlight using mirrors to be able to provide light for indoor growing underground. How cool is that idea, how crazy, fucking sick are human beings as well as being terribly depressing and annoying like Susan. But mainly they're so incredible because in spite of these small setbacks like lots of clean cardboard in the recycling bin and then needing to have two showers because I can't reorganise my habits to avoid it apparently, um, there's so much more weight on the other side of the scale with these absolute powerhouse humans putting an effort on behalf of millions of people to reduce our environmental footprint and offer us authentically sustainable solutions for the future. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> that's good. Mm. Don't it's better than good. It's fucking that's delicious. That's got me all excited now. So that's a really cool story, but we need to get to uh, the crux of this episode of Trash Talk, which is the collapse of Red Cycle soft plastics recycling in Australia. There's no denying that this is an absolutely devastating piece of new information to hear. It happened two weeks ago and Red Cycle announced that they had been stockpiling a lot of the soft plastics and could no longer continue accepting them at our major venues like Coles, Woolworths, um, etc. So instead of freak out about landfill and instead of really admonish everybody for continuing to use plastics because that would be incredibly hypocritical i still live a life reliant on plastic much as i wish i didn't uh you have to consume some of it so rather than just knee jerk and throw our hands up and say we all need to stop using plastic immediately like yeah we kind of do not enough to throw um throw soup out of painting or glue myself to a wall about it or anything because that wouldn't make sense uh but But definitely we can talk about it. So, what I thought I would introduce to you is a reality that you might not be aware of, which is that plastic is making us infertile. There's a link to this story in the description of this episode, as all the other stories, but you'll find this one down the bottom. And it's research that has come out demonstrating causal links between plastic exposure and fertility. And it's not a good relationship. It's not like the more plastic you use, the more powerful your sperms are. Sorry if that's what you hoped. Because it's actually the opposite. And a little interesting fact, actually, that you can probably take to the pub for trivia, even though it'd be a pretty weird trivia if you got asked this question. But but if you, in case you did, in case you get asked, okay. Okay, everyone. Question 27. What is an effective biomarker for a person's plastic exposure? And you can just like quickly whisper it all your mates, oh, I know this one, I know this one. Um, It's the distance between um, the genitals and the anus. And all your mates will just be like, yeah, fucking all right, mate, pull the other one. Like, does anyone actually know the answer to this? And you'll be like, no, no, seriously. I heard it on Trash Talk Studios Talking to Yourself podcast. And there's a story there, and actually it's still open as a tab on my phone, but I can't pull my phone right now because we're at trivia, but I'll definitely send it to all of you to read at your leisure later. But seriously, one of these causal links between plastic exposure and fertility health is, is the length of your taint. And if you're um, too grown up to know what the word um, taint means, then congratulations to you on living your um, incredibly mature life. But actually, it's the, it's the distance between, uh, between your anus hole and I suppose your scrotum in um, biological males and the end of the vagina or the beginning, depending on um, what direction you're facing of the vagina uh, in biological females. So that distance there is getting shorter as our sperm motility is getting lower. Sperm count is getting lower. Egg count in women is getting lower. We are really facing a reproductive crisis such that I think the conclusion I have to go back and look at this article myself but really you should read it it is it's breathtaking but I think the one of the conclusions is that an overwhelming majority of couples will need assisted reproduction past 2050 because we will have been exposed to too much plastic for natural conception to be relied upon for sustainable human growth it's you've got to look at this and so and so The long bow that we're we're drawing here, but we've got it lined up. We know that when we let it go, we're going to hit an absolute bullseye. Soft plastics recycling has gone down in this country as a huge encouragement to go, okay, everyone, we really, really need to start using less of this stuff. If not to avoid filling the land with it, to start saving ourselves. We have no defense against plastic once it enters our bodies. And it's a little bit sad that Red Cycle was the only soft plastics recycler in the country to be able to cause this bottleneck crippling of nationwide efforts to do it. So it is falling on all of us now to just start using less and I mean this is a, this is the side of climate change conversations that is always absent and I really encourage you to raise it every time you have a climate conversation because it really doesn't matter what it's about. You can be talking about energy. You can be talking about rubbish. You can be talking about driving. And we can argue about the best solar panels or renewable energy systems or the most biodegradable, compostable types of rubbish or the most energy efficient vehicles. It does None of that matters when you can just use less. Of all of those things, that is the fastest way to look after the planet is to use less. It is such a simple two-word instruction that we just all need to remind ourselves of all the time about everything, how can I use less of this? Rather than worry about, oh, I forgot my key cup, don't worry because this cup says bio something naturally compostable, don't feel bad about using me, in other words, it's all good. Sure, it might be able to break up into millions of pieces into the ground and be reincorporated into the geosphere, but I mean that's a hell of a lot of effort when you we could have just used a keep cup. Do you know what I get? Do you know what I mean? We need to end this podcast immediately. I think I've I've seriously just run out of steam here, or no, run up a big head of steam or something to do with steam, and and well the fact that we all want a little bit less steam pouring out of our ears about this. We are the 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 homo no we are the the homo sapien running around the kitchen like a headless chook pretending. That we care about climate change and saying we live sustainable lives, while problems just keep on getting worse. I'm getting the hell Japan it a hell of a pan now. You didn't even season the fish. Just, I always season it. I didn't season it though. Oh Thank my God. God! That is so us, isn't it? That is so us. Human beings running around like headless chooks in the kitchen. I always season it. I didn't season it though. That's that's so that's so Susan or or Nathan or lucas or christina or whoever it was that's been doing the cardboard in the plastic i mean if i did a door knock which i'll never do but if i did (laughs) to figure out like hey sorry to just sorry to interrupt you um do you wear a sleeping mask before you go to sleep do you also put the rubbish out before you go to sleep okay so did you put your sleeping mask on before you went to sleep but also before you took the rubbish out recently or often um Susan? Oh my God, so rude. How can you suggest that? I always thought out my rubbish correctly. I always season it. I didn't season it though. We need to end this podcast immediately. We've done it. We've gotten through another episode of Trash Talking Podcast Studios. Thank you very much, as always, for listening. Ah! Uh, I hope you are are living an agreeable life and, and full of maybe a little bit more hope for the future because we need to fill that cup as a matter of urgency in the face of climate change we need to fill the optimism cup quite badly so in saying that i mean if you were to if, if you did enjoy this and you were to share it with someone who you, who you also think might benefit from um just a conversation about climate change that keeps it real absolutely ghastly then i don't know tell them send it send send them send them here send them this Um, hitting five stars on your review or some other amount of stars that you think this show has been worth but hopefully not too much less than five um, would always be a really helpful thing that you could do to just uh, legitimize um, Trash Talk podcast to begin legitimizing Trash Talk podcast that'd be much appreciated thank you and that my dear is fucking delicious